It just says your blanket. <laughs> and <laughs> that's quite a list, isn't it? Adding um, faithfulness and all that business. And I don't know if you... Um, makes you feel that that list makes you feel like um, you'd really love to be able to do it, but uh, past experience knows how difficult it is and um, we're sure to fail. So that's an encouraging word for you. Spirit, to show you what's new in it for you, if there is anything, and how you're going to respond. Um, So we are here at the start of a year and a new decade, And as the year is 2020, um, Tim will talk about vision, 2020 vision in all its different senses. And uh, (laughs) as most preachers will do this year. um, But be careful because any optometrist will tell you that 2020 vision is not, in fact, the most accurate, precise vision. Um, it's just become a turn of phrase in English to mean perfect vision. Pardon? It means average. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> so, so, but, it, but, in, but in, in English, we understand it to mean perfect, accurate, and full vision. But to an optometrist, it is not that. But I think that difference between our perception of the term 2020 vision and the accurate meaning of 2020 vision is quite helpful to know that there is a a distinct difference. And and I think it's helpful because it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, you know, that famous passage we see dimly now. Uh, Here's one version. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I, now, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. How wonderful. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that day, really. Um, and so prophecy and spiritual revelation bring snippets of that future clarity into the present. And that's one reason why we find words of knowledge and spiritual revelation and visions and prophecies so encouraging and comforting and stimulating because they give us these little um, vignettes of, of that clarity that is promised for us in the time to come. Even so, these revelations, these prophecies, these, these um, bits of 2020 vision are not perfect, complete vision. When, some, when no word or sermon or prophecy is completely clear and watertight because it's shared through human beings and we're flawed and broken and none of us see or hear from God completely and perfectly. We only ever see in part or um, dimly. 
And even the most well-renowned famous prophets in our country of this time will say this of their own prophecies. And so they will work together in communities to help hone one another's skills. They will work together to discern prophecies, to weigh and to test, and to, and to work out the interpretation and the application of these snippets of vision, these snippets of revelation that they're getting. And I'm sure, as an aside, you're all aware that when God, when somebody offers you a word of knowledge or a prophecy, that you don't just settle back and absorb it, but that we have to work with it. Every time there's a word of knowledge or a prophecy, we've got to hold it and work with it. We've got to um, test it with Scripture and the Spirit. We've got to weigh it and then if we and bring it, submit it to Christ. And if it is not in line with with Him, then it will be sort of burnt up, as it were, in the fire. But if it is in line with him, then he breathes life into it and we can pray it in and pray with that word and work with that word so that it bears fruit in our lives. I'm sure you all know that. So most prophetic words are indications of God's heart or even a promise, but they're rarely an oath. And so they require prayer and obedience for us to see fruit in them. Now, I'm going rambling on and saying all of this because today is the day that we need to get ourselves ready for whatever God wants to say through Tim next week and through the sermon series and whatever God wants to do this year. So today is like an amber traffic light when we're driving. It's a get ready traffic light before we make a move. And, and it's so that if we can position ourselves right, then we can um, hear and discern more clearly when God speaks and when he shows us something to improve our vision, if that makes sense. And so how? How do we turn the right way? How do we clear the clutter and tune into God's voice and so that we can be sure when we're hearing from God or when we're hearing a dud word. And I think the key to how is together. Together. We as St. Matt's are finding family. We're not there yet, but we need one another in family to host God's presence and to help one another to follow God more closely, to tune into him, to be able to see and discern more clearly. Our culture is becoming increasingly isolationist and individualistic. And we are called to be countercultural. So if we try alone to make every effort, like Tamsin's reading, to add to our faithfulness, this, that, and the other, um, chances are, if you're anything like me, we'll either go mad or we'll fail catastrophically. But we are called to be part of a body and to help to be a family and help one another to 
align ourselves, to follow more closely, to position ourselves so that we're hearing more clearly and in line with God. Our walk with Jesus is deeply personal. It's intimate, but it's not private, not individualistic. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And so we, family, are in this together. We need one another to be able to discern clearly the prophecies and words and the, to, un, to really gain this vision uh, of what's ahead of us and what our next steps are. And when I was praying for um, what God wanted to say, I sensed him say that for many of us, this is the time for a gear change. Now at the start of 2020 is the time to change gear. And this will be shaped differently for each one of us. So please resist the temptation of comparing yourself with the person uh, next to you. Don't look at one another and think, shame, they ought to try a bit harder, or wow, they're doing all that. Just be faithful to what God is saying to you and be obedient to that. Because we all have different callings, different anointings, different purposes, different timings in the journey. So we're called to help one another, but not compare with one another. This gear change that God has spoken, for some of you, it will be a gear change up. So from second gear to third gear, fourth to fifth. It will be a stepping up of your level of engagement in your rhythms of life, in your rhythms of following Jesus, in your discipleship. So it may be a stepping up of um, prayer, of engaging in prayer. It may be a stepping up of reading your Bible. It may be a stepping up of being missional or of evangelizing. Whatever God is nudging, and he will nudge you if this is for you. For example, if you've not yet read the whole Bible, ask yourselves, why not now? Statistics show that most uh, Christians haven't read the Bible, but there's no law to say that you must. So please don't hear any condemnation or chastisement. There is no law to say you have to read the whole Bible. But if you don't, you're missing out. It is life-giving guidance and wisdom. It's a love letter from God. It is awesome. So perhaps the gear change for you is to make the decision to read the whole of Scripture. Maybe in a year, maybe at least across this decade. But to decide to change gear, not out of... Um, feeling obliged, but because, like we've been singing, you want to go deeper into his love. You want that fire in you to be stirred. You want to know more of God's love. That's the motivation, the invitation 
to gear change up. Um, I have, um, and I'll ask Serena to send out with you an an email link to Bible Hub, and they've got lots of um, annual Bible reading plans. You can read it thematically in a year or book by book in a year, and they tell you how much you need to read each day. And and for lots of people, this is really, really helpful. Um, It doesn't work for me. I get to about mid-February and implode, um, but I have tried, and um, so I, I... read the Bible. I'm constantly on a different version of the Bible, and it takes me several years to read my way through it, but I'll just keep going on my little rolling program for the rest of my life, because I can't, I don't know why I wouldn't want to. Um, So it doesn't, the time scale really doesn't matter, but the choice to engage with it does matter in a way. So I'm, I'm not fussed about your time scale, on this, but there are some helpful ways that help you with the time scale if, um, if you'd like that. Reading the Bible uh, and praying is, they're, they're really hard, let's be honest. I mean, they're easy physically. We can all read and you can pray, but um, they're greatly contested and um, they're hard. Um, I find praying and reading the Bible hard to make time for it, and so I find different ways to help me, and praying with and and reading the Bible with other people really helps, or being accountable with somebody else to say, oh, let's read this book together. Um, Then, so find ways to help you, because it can be hard. If you have read the whole Bible, why not try a different version? Crack on. Um, Alternatively, stepping up, you know, gear changing up, it may be for you that you've never really shared the life-giving good news of Jesus Christ with another person. You've tried to live a good example and hope that they get the message. So perhaps stepping up a gear for you is to come on Saturday mornings once a month to join with others to learn how to share the good news and to get on and share it. The stepping up may be different for each of us. I believe for others, this gear change is a gear change down. From fifth to fourth, from third to second. But this is not a slowing as such. This is an empowering for, a, for steeper terrain. And for some of you, that is what it is going to be. It's a building up of momentum. Now, naturally, we cannot go, uh, if this is the call for you, then we cannot go as fast as if we were cruising at top gear. But this is a different season for some of you. And this will be uh, just as uncomfortable as going up a gear because you'll want to race ahead because you've mastered this racing ahead and you've got it down to a T. And so God is saying, well, well done you. Uh, Now change down a gear. Let's get empowered. Let's build that momentum. And so for some of you, that is what God is calling. And I see this in terms of hallowing time to the Lord. And our relationship with the Lord is our most important relationship today 
and forever. And so for some of you, it's going to be, um, yeah, that, that changing down. And one example might be that decision to guard Sabbath or do Sabbath differently. Um, I'm sure everybody has a day off, but a day off and a Sabbath, I understand to be quite different. A day off is a time for getting the stuff of life done that we haven't been able to do in the last, in our working week. It's the grocery shopping and the housework and the laundry and the catching up with this, that and the other. My understanding of Sabbath is time set aside for rest and worship. Rest and worship looks different for each of us. Um, for some, that's hanging out with lots of people. For others, that's solitude. For some, it's with family. Some, it's stepping aside from family. Some, it's mowing the lawn. And for others, it's not mowing the lawn. But, and worship is different for each of us. But it may be this gear change down is about guarding space to, to live deeper, to live slower, to notice more carefully. And all of that is not, um, you're not losing ground in guarding that time, in hallowing time for God. You are building momentum and power for what God is calling you into next. It's about positioning and aligning yourselves to hear most clearly and see most clearly what God is wanting to call you into and speak into your life. Um, so these gear changes are simply to position ourselves to be more attentive. They are positioning ourselves so that we can go deeper, to know God's love more, to, so that we can be transformed by him to be more purposeful and useful for him. There's no law to say you have to. It's only ever an invitation of love to go deeper, to know him more. So don't get all condemnation-y about it. Um, and I'd like you all to, to take time to discern whether you're a gear change up or a gear change down season. And what that one thing is that perhaps God is inviting you to change at the beginning of this year, to position yourselves so that you are discerning and hearing more clearly. And how? It's really hard, some of these things. But I really feel that it's important that we do this together, that as family, we help one another in this. Just as arms and legs with clutch and gear stick have to work together to change the gear in a car, so we need each other, different members of the body, to help us transition gears and to keep driving on the right road. You're keeping up with my analogy. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're called to journey together. Um, and so I just wanted to, to spur us on in that. And I just thought I'd give you a few examples of togetherness that might help you with your gear change this year. And 
our obvious one in this church is with Life Hubs and Pastorate. Flipping awesome design. So if you're not in the Life Hub, if you'd like to join a small group, then please get stuck in because this is where we can meaningfully cheer each other along and help each other in our journey with God. If you want to go deeper and be more vulnerable, then how about a prayer triplet? Praying is really hard. So pray with other people. Help each other to pray. Um, hands up, who's in a prayer triplet? Okay. And yet I've heard loads of other people saying they want to be in a prayer triplet. My advice is that you try and figure it out amongst yourselves. But if you get stuck, come and talk to me and I'll, I'll do some matchmaking of prayer triplets. So, um, because lots of people have said, well, Jenny, I'd love to be in a prayer triplet. So why don't you just try and, and sort that out amongst yourselves and help each other in praying? Um, I meet with my prayer triplet once a month, and it's somewhere where we can be real and vulnerable with each other, and they're people that um, I can depend on to be praying for me, and I can pray for them, and it's really special. So I encourage you to build that togetherness. And mentoring. People have talked to me about this. I really encourage you each, everybody I think needs a mentor, and everybody in this room has the capacity to mentor another. And it doesn't have to be big and heavy and lifelong and complex. So for example, I have a spiritual director who helps me with my prayer life and my rhythm with God, and she's fabulous. But I also, I don't think she's here tonight, Ellie McPhee, who is, is she here? So I haven't warned you, Ellie. Um, Ellie is a great deal younger than me, but I noticed in Ellie that she has this beautiful gift and anointing for um, buying presents and giving gifts to people. And it's something I'm not good at. I'm, I'm, I just don't particularly enjoy it. I'm not very good at thinking of things. I've, I find it really hard. And yet I know that it's a way of expressing God's love because he gives good gifts. And it's a way of reflecting that. And so this is an area that I don't reflect God well. And I've noticed that Ellie's really good at this. And so I asked Ellie, would she help me? So that's me submitting to Ellie. And so she is, in effect, mentoring me. And I have been a rubbish pupil, particularly over Christmas. I apologize, Ellie. But her enthusiasm and passion and gifting has is gradually changing my heart and inspiring me and encouraging me. So mentoring doesn't have to be really heavy or long-term. But if we look around, everybody here has got some gifting or anointing, some way of helping another person. And that's family, isn't it? When we submit to each other and ask one another to help us. So it may be that you find chit-chat and small talk in the cafe before church really hard. Victoria is brilliant at coming alongside and meeting people. So you could ask her to come, you know, help you with it. It may be that you find reading the Bible really difficult. Bill is really passionate about reading the Bible. So why don't you ask Bill to just meet with you every now and again to sort of cheer you on and, and encourage you? We need one another to to be able to position ourselves to make this gear change and to not stall on our journey with Christ. So I do, 
I want names at the end of the service. If you want to be a mentor or if you want to be mentored, um, then please come forward or sort it out amongst yourselves. But I encourage us as family to help one another in this, in this season. And I think, yeah, this, this discipline of humbling ourselves um, to come under other people's anointing is, is really important. And I hope I never stop doing it. Uh, we never get too old or too uh, mature to be mentored or to ask for help. So let's crack on this year. Let's get this off to a good start. Get in the right gear get the right support around us so that we are ready to hear and move in whatever we, we see and hear God saying through Tim and the others this year. And this is important, not just for you and your journey with God, but for your communities and the world around us. In case it's passed you by, the world needs you to pursue God. The world needs you to make every effort to pursue God. Because the world is hurting and lost and at conflict and frightened. And so the world needs you to pursue God, to go deeper, so that your transformed life can be a blessing to the world around us so that your prayers can transform the spiritual realm in any place you choose around the world. The world needs you to pursue God and we need one another to do this. So I said at the start of the service that as it's the beginning of the year and as the world seems to have done a rather sudden gear change lately, um, we'll dedicate a really good chunk of time to interceding for the world around us. And we're going to do this together because we need one another. Prayer is hard. But I do believe we are at our most fruitful, at our most potent when we are praying in Jesus' name. So what you are about to do is shift atmospheres and change the course of history together. This isn't just fluffy words uh, in a cold room. This is world-changing activity that you are about to engage in. The world needs you. And they need us to come together and help one another. So, um... You can intercede for whatever you want. Uh, there's no law. I really don't mind. Whatever the Spirit leads you. I have put uh, some highly technical and um, <laughs> they're very basic prayer stations around the room on blankets. You're welcome to wrap yourselves in the blankets as you pray, uh, just so long as you pray. Um, we've got over here... Uh, a, a map of the British Isles and some zips. If you want to pray for um, our country, for healing, for unity, for reconciliation in our country, God is doing a really unusual thing in this time. 
that he is repositioning our nation. He's humbling our nation. And he's preparing the ground for a great renewal that is going to come over our nation and that we will then be able to bless Europe and the world with. But he's repositioning and humbling at the moment. But we need to come together and find unity. And the churches need to be leading the way in prayer. So um, that is what we're praying for there. The zips are, if it's helpful for you, you can scribble on the map. Um, the zips are all unzipped. If you want to pray for that unity and reconciliation as you zip it together, uh, then you're welcome to do that. That's over in that corner. Um, in the, that corner there, we, um, I'm going to put my laptop with um, the Open Doors website. You can pray for persecuted Christians. These are our brothers and sisters around the world who are being beaten up and raped and killed and um, all sorts of nasty things because they know and love Jesus. So we can pray for them and stand with them. Uh, over here, we have my blanket uh, that looks like fire, but with water running through it. Uh, there's a koala bear. That's your clue. Uh, and a bowl of water because we need to... <laughs> this is for praying for the bushfires in Australia. Now, these fires have been burning since September, but they've got been particularly violent and dangerous lately. I'm sure you've all seen on the news. So... We can pray for um, Australia. Do you want to say your bit from the email? Victoria's got something really encouraging to say about this. Uh, we've got some friends who, um, whose daughter live in lives in Australia, and they are over there at the moment, and they've been there for the last month. And I was um, having an email conversation with her today and just asking how they all are and etc. And I was really bowled over because she said the stories of heroism are absolutely amazing coming from there. The um, firemen have been so brave. They just face this wall of fire that is coming right at them. And they are just amazing. Um, she said there have been stories on the television about... Um, boys age seven who are in their little boats going to rescue people off the lakeside as the, as the fire comes towards them. Um, she said, koala bears are stopping cyclists in the road begging for water. And the most extraordinary thing was that the, when the firemen save the kangaroos, the kangaroos come and hug them. It's just, I mean, it's just amazing. But she said the heroism and the bravery of the people there is quite extraordinary. So it's really brilliant that we're praying for them tonight. Okay, doke. And our last prayer station in that corner um, has uh, flags and maps to pray for the um, Iranian and Western world conflict. This is a conflict that's been going on for decades. It's not new. Um, it's been behind the scenes or it's been fought out by proxy through other countries, but it has come to a shocking head recently. So we do need to be praying for that conflict there. But you can pray for whatever you like. Now, as you will notice, we didn't have Mingle Till You Tingle, so this time is called Mingle Till God's Ears Tingle. Yes. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> It's because I really hate the term, so you've got to, 
You've either got, you can't beat them, you've got to join them. Um, so we're going to um, pray um, however you wish, move around, stay where you are, whatever you want. But I'm going to leave you to pray with words of William Booth. Now, he founded the Salvation Army, and he said, you must pray with all your might. That does not mean saying your prayers or sitting gazing about in church or chapel with your eyes wide open while someone else says them for you. It means fervent, effectual, untiring wrestling with God. So go, go.